Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? It's BGN Radio, episode number 97. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of BleedingGreenNation.com. How are you, sir? Jimmy, it is the biggest podcast of the season here. Yeah, I mean, you look at the schedule when it first came out back in mid-April, I think. Everyone pretty much knew then. And then pretty much all throughout the entirety of this season that it was going to come down to this week 16 game for the NFC East. I don't think anyone foresaw both teams being 7-7 seven seven at this point with the Eagles basically trotting out a lineup of practice squad players. And the Cowboys basically, I, I think anything short of, I would say probably a conference championship appearance and their head coach is going to be gone. So both teams having major problems heading into this matchup. Of course, everyone's kind of beaten to death. Uh, how bad the NFC East in general is and how you know unfair it is that they're going to get a home game and a team like the Niners or the Seahawks is going to have to play on the road in the wild card round uh, against whoever you know comes out of the NFC East uh, you know winning that division but here we are it's Dallas week Eagles coming off a pair of wins often very ugly wins uh, over the Giants and the Washington team let's Dive right in, I guess, to the, you know the Week 15 matchup against Washington before we go full-fledged into Eagles-Cowboys week. Uh, Carson Wentz, of course, coming up clutch again, uh, as he did against the Giants. What were your biggest takeaways there? I mean, Carson Wentz has the clutch gene. Like we said last week, Jimmy, there was, there was never a doubt. Um, kind of say that kiddingly aside, I mean, it kind of goes to what we were talking about, where like were these, there were these other moments in his career that showed like he yes he very much is capable of doing this the idea that he was never capable is pretty silly he just hasn't executed to this point and sure enough he did against the giants in washington and yeah and you know what he has executed but at times of the season he didn't get any help it didn't happen is my for, point from like, his, right it didn't happen yeah. is probably the best way to put it and it and it happened, <laughs> Last, it happened. again against some pretty horrendous teams but their wins, he got it done, and you can kind of feel a little bit good about it, maybe, heading into this week. Uh, a lot of problems remain on this roster, for sure. A lot of problems remain, and even with Carson Wentz, who is fumbling the ball way, way too much, basically. Yeah. What's it, um, 13 or 14 in the last eight games here? 13 in the last eight, and he didn't have any in the first six. So that's that's like I'm, I remember remember talking about this earlier. Yeah, we're like, oh, he fixed it. Wow, good for him. Right, and he, he no, by the no. way, he didn't get any credit when that was happening. It wasn't like no one said anything, and maybe I guess. <laughs> well, we gave him credit, but then that was short lived. Right. But maybe so. Is, I wonder if there's something to that. I know you asked Mike Grow about that this week. You know, was there any kind of difference between those games and the games he is fumbling? I don't know why I bother asking Mike Grow anything. Honestly, <laughs> it's a it's a complete waste of time because you're not going to get an answer that's worthwhile. That is true. 
it, it's an issue. But I mean, ultimately, what you want to see in that spot is a quarterback like bounce back from those kind of issues. Like that's that's the resilience factor, and from the team, and that's been a hallmark of Doug Peterson teams for the second year in a row. They're making a some kind of run down the stretch, kind of pulling themselves out from the grave, if you will, and, yeah. and trying to make themselves competitive. So I think there's there's credit to go around for sure. Because uh, this team could have laid down and died, and they didn't. A lot of issues remain. One of them, I would say, being that Greg Ward is the only wide receiver on this team, uh. Jimmy. <laughs> he was the only receiver who had a reception in the Washington game. And obviously, that uh, drive at the end was critical. Um, he was a critical part of that. Four for 40. Leading up to the touchdown. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, obviously, making the play itself. So, uh, so Four for 40, and, and every one of those catches was either a first down or, or of course, the, the touchdown at the end. I mean, he yes. was huge throughout that entire drive. So, I mean, credit to him. We kind of, I, I kind of said last week, eh, you know, let's not get carried away with the Craig Ward love. But, hey, absolutely deserving of, of all the praise and then some after that game. And, you know, as you mentioned, he was the only receiver who had a catch in that game. That's wild. Think about that. Think about what you're saying. Robert Davis barely had any snaps. So, I mean, and he was just called up to the team that week. But then you have J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Very disappointing. Dropped a touchdown. I thought he should have had that. I guess, like, did the defender get 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 a hand on that ball? I didn't see that trajectory change. He made it tougher for J.J. to catch, for sure. And I guess Wentz was a little late. But it hit him. So that's pretty frustrating. And just not even the drop, but the, you know, the, the Goddard play where he like he's like running the wrong route into Dallas Goddard. He had that play in the Seahawks game where Wentz fumbled. It was kind of another careless fumble, but it was where like Big V just got blown up immediately because JJ motioned into Big V's legs and like took him out. Like JJ is like wiping out other players on the team. He's like, he's a disaster right now in terms of being able to trust him. And uh, I guess, well, not I guess, that does tell you a little bit why he hasn't been able to play or, or the coaches haven't trusted him to play. Uh, one thing I wanted to say about JJ was that, so he has eight receptions for 130 yards and one touchdown. On 424 snaps this season. Do you know how many yards Terry McLaurin had against the Eagles? Yes, I know he had 130, and then yes. the first matchup, he had 125, I think. Well, just, yeah, so just, just so, that yeah, alone. He, has one, right, right, he, had, he had 130 in, in one game, and J.J. had that for the season. That is insane. <laughs> it, it's like yeah, basically yeah, yeah. 10 <laughs> times the snaps J.J. has played. It's it's <laughs> crazy. It's like, right. I, I, I'm not out on J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, like definitively, like he can't be good. But, I mean, this is... This is pretty concerning. Like I don't, I don't know how you see him as an answer. Like moving forward for this team, as like as like a, a no doubt about it, surefire answer. Like how could you? Like he's had that disappointing. I think of a rookie season. Maybe he turns it around. I think he's the kind of kid who isn't gonna struggle with effort. It seems like a good kid. Like he'll he'll try his hardest, but like you know, I don't I don't know if that's good enough. Getting into the Eagles secondary, Jimmy, uh, and the Eagles defense as a whole made Dwayne Haskins, who we talked about, who isn't good and I think in fairness he really wasn't good in terms like before the Eagles game like I feel like I'm being gaslit here because all of a sudden Dwayne Haskins like has easily the best game easily the best he's looked of his career against the Eagles defense oh for sure yeah no there's no question and yeah, I mean, it's concerning <laughs> the, the biggest uh concern for me in that game is I guess how many times he had been sacked what do we have like five starts I think it was Mm-hmm. Prior to this game, yes, in, in seven games, and he got sacked. I believe it was twenty six times, and then he had, like he'd been hit a ton more than like he, he took a lot of QB hits too. That's because he held on to the ball for a long time. And 
the excuse that they gave, which Jim Schwartz does after every game where they don't get a lot of pressure, is he said they got the ball out quickly. Which, mm-hmm. you know, you can go back and, you know, maybe he did get the ball out quicker than he has been, but there were certainly plenty of pass rush opportunities and they just weren't able to get to him. It's concerning that they weren't able to do that, especially against, you know, a, an offensive line that, I mean, obviously they've been missing Trent Williams all year, but then they were also missing Brandon Scherf, which was a little bit of a surprise, you know, an hour and a half before the game when he was listed as one of the inactives. They just weren't able to get to him. I mean, Fletcher Cox makes makes the Pro Bowl this year, and <laughs> we'll get to that later. But, uh, you know, I don't know how deserving he was of that. But their press, their 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 pass rush, you know, wasn't able to get home on the outside. They weren't able to get home on the interior. And uh, he had a lot of time to throw. So, I mean, the secondary is really kind of taking a beating for the way that they gave a big play to Terry McLaurin. Mm-hmm. And um, you know plays all over the field, really. But it's I think it's equally on the pass rush for being unable to pressure Haskins into into some bad throws. They had zero sacks and zero quarterback hits on this guy, Oof. like you said, who was holding on to the ball forever. I didn't like, realize that. I didn't realize they had no quarterback hits. Yeah, I mean, I, there were people were talking about the Avante Maddox one at the end of the game count, whatever. Like that doesn't yeah, change right. the calculus uh-huh. here. Uh-huh. You know, it, the, the point being, the pressure was just not good enough. Specifically, when you look at someone like Fletcher Cox. I don't think he's had a bad year. I wouldn't say that. But the bottom line is he has three and a half sacks in 14 games here this season. He's your top player in terms of cap hit this season. Like this is supposed to be a guy who's supposed to be like a star player, impact player, take over a game kind of defensive tackle. I mean, I get why I guess he hasn't been in terms of he's been hurt. He came off the injury all offseason. He's on the injury report now. We'll get to that later. Uh, he was added again with the the triceps thing. So I get that he's less than 100%. And I also get that the defensive tackles next to him, I think, have been pretty, like, unhelpful at all. Like, Timmy Jernigan's doing nothing, basically. Like, he's playing yeah. a bunch of snaps. He, he's Anthony like, Rush is just a big body. Timmy Jernigan has six sacks and – or, sorry, six tackles and one sack in 216 snaps this season. Oof. Like, he's not doing anything. And <laughs> right. he had the foot injury. So, again, I get it. And Eagles have been decimated at that spot more, especially yeah, they so. Only, they only have three. They only have three defensive tackles right now. Well, four now after promoting Bruce Hector. Oh, right, right, right. But yeah, they've basically only had three for a while here. So yeah, I get, like, it's not all on Cox. Like, there's extenuating circumstances for sure. But at some point, like, you, you just need that guy to step up. And getting into some of the news, speaking of Bruce Hector, the Eagles promoted him to the active roster on Wednesday here because Kamu Grujay-Hill is done for the year. Uh, it seems like there's... More to this than what is being made publicly, Jimmy, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, his agent, um, well, we'll get to the agent in a second, but, you know, the Eagle, whenever the Eagles put out, or whatever, not, it wasn't even a press release, whenever statement. they put out a tweet, a statement that kind of explains an injury and why they're shutting somebody down for the season, it's not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know that something bad happened. Like, if they just shut down, you know, another, like a, I don't know what's what's another example like Malik Hassan Jackson, Ridgeway. Okay. Like, like Malik Jackson, he he had a Frank injury, you know, knee surgery, done. You know, he's they they don't put on a statement for that. Even Alshon, they didn't do it, <laughs> right? Because it's cut and dry, you know. They, 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 so there's no need. But whenever there's you know whenever there's maybe an issue, they put out a statement, hmm. and that's like a tell that like something's going on. So they put what was their statement. So I guess the, the so it's worth it's worth it's worth reading. I think the timeline is worth setting up too here in the sense of okay, Kamu suffers a concussion on the first play of the Dolphins scheme. Uh, he doesn't report it to the team. He says it's yes. his shoulder. He gets checked out. His shoulder is fine because that's that wasn't what was the issue. He basically played <laughs> the rest of the game. Didn't miss much time, and then all of a sudden 
he missed the Giants game because he reported the concussion afterwards. Yeah. And leading up to week 15 against Washington, Doug Peterson was asked about, you know, Kamu not reporting it. And Doug said he was disappointed, uh, did mm. not like defend him at all. So, so they're going to talk to the, like talk to the team as a whole about that. He can't do that. Yes. Malcolm, Malcolm Jenkins did that in the past as well. Yes. That was before the Doug era. Correct. That happened in Chip's 2015, last year. I think. Yeah. Um, but it's happened before, not under this regime. But they don't want they don't want players doing. It. I think that part of it is fine. Mm-hmm. But he he plays he plays against Washington, but he only gets five snaps. Defensive, which, yeah. Yeah, which uh, right, he played more on special teams, but he, he only played five with the regular defense. So then you know, to, was it was it today? Yeah, it was today. Today we're Wednesday. recording on on Wednesday, by the way. So they put out the statement following Sunday's game at Washington. Kamu Grugier Hill reported back discomfort to team physicians. On Monday afternoon, an MRI confirmed a lower lumbar disc herniation. After consulting with the team's spine surgeon, the decision was made to proceed with surgery. So the way that that reads to me, there was never an issue with his herniated disc, and he only reported it after the Washington game. Mm -hmm. Okay? So then later, uh, my old enemy, Steve Carrick, <laughs> if you if you if he's he's the one that uh you know he and I got got into it a little bit after I criticized uh, Zach Ertz for oh. falling down on his own after catches and then mm. after the Bengals game when he just jumped out of the way of a block the decoy block the decoy block oh, oh my god he sent a text to a bunch of different you know, Eagles media people, and he wrote, Camus has been playing through significant pain for the majority of the 2019 season. This pain has forced him to take weekly pregame pain-killing shots and IV drops. This past week, the pain became unbearable, and it was determined he required a minor and minimally invasive back procedure to relieve the pain. He's expected to fully recover in three to four weeks. Camus is the ultimate team player who has given everything he has to this organization the past four years. So he's doing two things there. First of all, he's saying he's going to be fully recovered in three or four weeks. He's just letting teams across the league know, uh, hey, he's fine. Go ahead and give him money in free agency this year. By the way, he's probably Camus probably not coming back next year. All right, so I think we can pretty much determine that this relationship has not gone well, and he's probably going to be going somewhere else. But then he's also making the point that 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 this that he's you know played through pain all year, and I think he was trying to say that this injury is not new. And has been going on for a while, mm-hmm. which kind of goes against what the Eagles were saying when they put out their statement on this situation. Uh, the optics of it aren't that good. It's really surprising with this team an injury <laughs> and medical situations. I mean, it's not like Doug Peterson, you know, was talking about how Jordan Howard might have a chance to play against the Patriots, which is why the Eagles signed Jay Jai so late in the week. And then here we are. Like seven weeks later, right. and Jordan Howard still might not play. You know, it's not like that's happening at all. That's just Jalen Mills was day to day for a while after he hurt himself against the Jaguars in London, mm-hmm. and then he didn't play for a year. What are some more examples? Yep. Darren Sproles was day to day for like three months last year. Jay Ajayi tore his ACL in the Vikings game and like played the rest of the game <laughs> as a running back. Oh my god! Weird situation. Wanted to get into Pro Bowl thoughts here to kind of close out this. First segment of our Washington Review slash newsy stuff for this week before we get into the Cowboys game. To me, the Eagles have five Pro Bowlers. We kind of talked about Fletcher Cox already. Only three teams had more. 
That is insane. So the Eagles had three at this time last year when they had the same record, seven and seven. And then they, they had, had six, six in their Super Bowl season. So they're just slightly worse than they were in 2017. Oh, my God. Unreal. I guess the weird thing about that 17 team, though, on a tangent here, is like they didn't have a, like superstars as much, right? Like It wasn't like a superstar-studded team as much as they had a lot of quality guys on the roster. Like They didn't have one. Well, they had, well Wentz was you know the MVP. Before I mean him, there. but I'm like all around the team is what I meant. They didn't have like stars all around the team. They just had a lot of guys like stepping they were, up. Yeah, like, they were just loaded. Yes. Like Patrick Robinson. Like he was stepping. He wasn't a pro bowler, but he was stepping up and having like a season out of nowhere. And Chris Long. Like all these guys came out of like nowhere. A lot of overachievers for sure. Right. So that so I, that kind of makes sense to me why they didn't have more, I guess, that year. But anyway, so it, it's Cox. It's Zach Gertz. It's Brandon Brooks. It's Jason Kelsey and Rick Lovato. Are, yes. are your five Eagles Pro Bowlers. Do we agree that Cox is really the only one that isn't fully deserved? Well, congratulations to Fletcher Cox, first of all, for having a career that's been good enough where he's got clout now where Agreed. he's getting these undeserved Pro Bowls. Like, I think that's kind of... it's like it, it sounds like we're criticizing him, but really, if you look at it from a different point of view, it's almost like a point of pride for him in that he's you know gotten to the point where he's getting these undeserved nods it kind of evens out too because he probably you know he missed a couple earlier on his career when he should have made it yeah he probably should have gotten in years where he didn't yeah it's true so it evens out in terms of like the long run but specifically as it relates to this year i just think i think it's it has to be like what's it's i'm not saying cox isn't good and he's not an important player for this team i just don't think he's been like an elite level player well he I, right this year i mean he is an elite yes, player this but year. has not he's not been the same player that we know him to be and everyone else seems pretty straightforward to me the only one the only player that and i i you know i don't watch center play for you know, other players around the league. And I probably would, like, my guess is that uh, Jason Kelsey probably is still deserving. I think mm-hmm. he's probably still better than all the, you know, most of the centers around the league. Even if I think he's not having the type of season that I think we're accustomed to seeing him have, too. Like, I think, you know, when he's playing at his best, he's like a rare offensive lineman where you can actually put together, like, a pretty impressive highlight reel of some of the things that he's doing on the field. Mm -hmm. And there haven't been like really obvious, amazing plays that he's made this year that you've seen in the past. All right. Is that fair? Um, Well, I'll also throw in that Kelsey didn't make it last year and he definitely should have. So okay, well he was all another, pro, wasn't he? Yeah, that's the thing though. Like that's stupid. Like how does he all pro? He doesn't make the pro. <laughs> right. Bowl. Like it was, it was dumb. Who made it over him? Um, I don't remember because Frederick wasn't playing last year. Yeah, I, yeah I he had that weird disease. It's probably like Alex Mack or someone. Yeah, I wonder who could have made it over him. But you're right, he should have made it last year. Absolutely. Yes. So again, it kind of evens out when you. When Lovato got picked, I was like, you know, it's funny because the long snapper got picked. When he got picked, <laughs> I was like, in my head, you know what? It's probably deserved. Like, I can't remember him having a bad snap. I think a lot of long steppers probably don't have bad snaps, though. Like, I wonder what the differentiator is. I'm not against Rick Lovato. <laughs> well, he did have one in the Super Bowl. A bad snap? Yeah. Yeah. Donnie, Donnie bailed Jones out. saved it. Yeah. My boy Donnie. Pouring, pouring out some 40 for my boy Donnie. Yeah, you <laughs> should. I, I dug deep last year, and I somehow I, I got my hands on PFF's long snapper grades. And Rick Lovato... This is this shows you I just care way too much about something stupid. Rick Lovato <laughs> was eighth overall last year, so I, I don't know, know what the hell that. that means. Yeah, neither, well, it's not publicly available. Like I had to like ask oh, some okay. people from PFF. I had to dig deep, you know. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know your network of resources. Yeah, Lane Johnson did not make the Pro Bowl for the second year in a row. 
in, in terms of originally being on the roster. And that's a pretty bad omission, I would say. You know, I looked at the guys that made it ahead of him, and I can't speak too confidently about, I think it was uh, David Bakhtiari. I know he's very good. I don't think Tyron Smith is as good a player as people think he is at this stage mm-hmm. of his career. Elite at one time. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's. You know that player anymore. And then who was the third guy? I don't know. I remember that all. I didn't uh, see. So Tyron Smith is always going to make it. I mean, just pens, just put him in pen for the rest of his career because he's just kind of earned this reputation as like the best tackle in the league. And I don't think he's that anymore by any stretch. He's going to make it every year. <laughs> the third guy. I got. I got to know now. But yeah, I mean, Lane is. I'm a, I'm a huge Lane fan mm-hmm. in terms of uh, how good he is. Bakhtiari, Tyron Smith. Oh, Teron Armstead. Teron Armstead's really good, too. But zero in the last two years, I think, is not – I don't know. It just feels like Lane Johnson should have been a pro bowler once in these last two he years. Did, wait, originally. he didn't make it last year either? Correct. Oh. Yeah, that was the whole thing. Like he, he slept in his locker because he was, like, oh, so pissed. Oh, yeah, right. That's right. That's right. He, well, he ultimately made it as an alternate, and, like, he went, but, like, he didn't make the original roster. Right tackles yeah. get screwed, and it's stupid because yes. like I think I think there's actually probably more elite pass rushers primarily rushing off of that side now than there are on, from the other side. The 2017 season was a great example of that. Like exactly uh, Watt or not Watt? No Miller. Sorry, Miller, uh, Mac, bunch of guys. Yeah. Demarcus Lawrence a couple times. We yeah. should take a break here, Jimmy, because we have to get into some Eagles versus Cowboys talk. We will be back after this. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics. But now, with AI, people can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close, where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on BGN Radio 97, it is Dallas week, Eagles versus Cowboys for not officially the NFC East championship game since the Eagles would have some more work to do, even if they did beat the Cowboys. But for all intents and purposes, this is a pretty important game. I guess we have to start, Jimmy, with the news of Wednesday that Dak Prescott is dealing with a shoulder injury. What do you make of this? 
Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I think that caught a lot of people by surprise, me included. He already had a couple of injuries. He had a sprained left wrist, non-throwing, and wrist. he had what Troy Aikman described as a broken finger. It turned mm-hmm. out not to be a broken finger in hindsight. Uh, on his index finger, yes, throwing hand, correct. The hand got like his finger got smashed and something like there's a cut on it. It just it's really just annoying for him to have to deal with. And probably, there's probably a little bit of pain when he throws, but it's not anything that's going to prohibit him from, from playing. And then, uh, out of nowhere, all the uh, Dallas Cowboys beat writers uh, and a few national people just started tweeting all at once that uh, during Jason Garrett's uh, Wednesday morning press conference, he noted that uh, Dak had an MRI, excuse me, an MRI, on, I said that weird the first time, on his shoulder... And uh, while there is no structural damage to his shoulder, he did have some pain. And I think uh, Garrett said, "What was the what was the phrasing that he used?" It was like uh, something about function, or it was not. It was not very function. functional. It, it was not very functional at the moment. Okay, mm-hmm. so some others uh, followed up that they didn't think that he was going to miss Sunday's game against the Eagles. But I know that you pulled up our favorite friend. Dr. David Chow, who diagnoses injuries <laughs> from afar, and more often than not is right whenever he uh, kind of opines on what he sees. Why don't you read what he wrote? Yeah, so basically what he put out is that the rotator cuff needs to function at close to 100% in order for Prescott to be able to throw and be accurate. And at this point, given that it is Wednesday, I am not saying that Prescott will not play versus the Eagles. However, if the swelling doesn't go away, he may indeed miss week 16 or play, but have the ability to throw the ball downfield severely hindered. He also talked about how you know this swelling wouldn't be something that would necessarily pop up right away, which is why you saw him in the game after he sustained yeah, his injury. Yeah, in the first quarter. There was, it was like eight minutes left in the first quarter when the play that he got injured on. You wouldn't even at, know he got hurt, right? Like, yeah, you well, he play. got tackled, and he kind of landed on his shoulder, but he popped right back up. Yeah. And he went right back to the huddle, and they actually called a pass play. They, they called a pass play on the next play. Yeah, so, uh, but then I was looking at the second half of that game because I figured, okay, you know, there's some layoff at that point. You know, they've halftime. I wonder how he was impacted. And when I was looking at the second half through ESPN's game log there, all, all those passes were short. They're all mm-hmm. short throws in the second half of that game. And now the context here is that the Cowboys were up, so it's not like they were, you know, taking I think shots. the halftime score was, what, 28-7? 33-7, to something like that. It was... It was the game was I think it was hand. 21-7. The Rams got the ball with like, I don't know, minute something left in the second quarter. And Goff threw a pick to Sean Lee. They, they got an unexpected touchdown right before the end of the half, which put them up 28-7. And that was basically a ball game. And then they just ran the whole, the, you know, they, they, they ran a ton in the second half, both with uh, Zeke and uh, Tony Pollard. Yeah, so it's a big deal, obviously. <laughs> if, if, <Yes. laughs> if this shoulder injury, even if it doesn't prevent Dak from playing, but if it like impacts his ability to be accurate and make throws down the field, I mean, if you can take away teams throwing down the field on the Eagles' defense, uh, I kind of like the Eagles' it's defense a, big, a lot kind more. Kind of a big deal, yeah. I kind of, I kind of like uh, Amari Cooper not like breaking the game <laughs> open uh, consistently. It's reminiscent, by the way, of uh, 2013 when the Eagles were playing the Cowboys Week 17 for what was quote unquote an NFC East Championship game. 
And uh, Tony Romo during that week was ruled out unexpectedly. Yeah. And uh, Kyle Orton had to play. And if you recall, uh, Brandon Boykin picked him off in the final minute uh, to sort of end that game. So if he can't go and, uh, you know, they got to play their backup, I'm sure you've looked this up already, but who is their backup, Brandon? It's Cooper Rush, Jimmy. How many career pass attempts does he have? Three pass attempts and one completion. For how many yards? I, did, I forgot that. Take a guess. Two. <laughs> That's correct. Oh, no, I got it. Boom. <laughs> yeah, he says his quarterback rating is like 47-something. So basically, you know, there would never be a situation, though, where like this backup quarterback who had never played before would come to Philadelphia in a big game that the Eagles need to win and play well, right? Like, that wouldn't happen. Like, uh, I can't think of any instances. <laughs> uh, imagine, like any... By, by the way, imagine he plays. Like, imagine, like, uh, Dak is ruled out. Like, he's mm-hmm. not going to play. And then Cooper Rush starts. You know who their practice squad quarterback is? Clayton Thorson, baby. And imagine Clayton Thorson gets called up to the roster. He's lighting the Eagles out, up. They, they knock out Cooper Rush in the first quarter. And then Clayton Thorson <laughs> gets his revenge on all the people that were like, should have oh, drafted Darius Slayton over him. <laughs> and then he just lights up the Eagles for 400 yards. <laughs> I mean, I think you'd have to fire Jim Schwartz on the spot. Like, <laughs> You couldn't let him return it like that. That would be egregiously horrible, based on what I've seen out of Clayton Thorson. But, but based on what you've all seen and watched out of him, that would be unfathomable because he didn't even look good against the Eagles' defense in training camp. You know what I mean? Like, if, if, what's the worst outcome? Please. Is it is it is it that, or if the Eagles won this game and then lost to Eli, Week Seventeen, um, which is worse? Oh, I think the Eli thing for sure. Like if, Eli, think, Eli's worse than Clayton Thorson. Well. Like, people would be so – if the Eagles win this game, everyone's thinking they're going to the playoffs. Right, and yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if they won this – if they if they beat the Cowboys and somehow lost to the Giants, that would be, like, just the most most pathetic scenario. Like you, you, <laughs> right, Eli rides off into the sunset with uh, one last win over the Eagles under his yeah. belt. Yeah, that would be not so great. So that was the Dak thing. I mean, that's 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 something to watch. We'll we'll see how that goes here throughout the week. He was Dak was officially limited in practice. Is how he was listed. So we will see how that progresses. I feel like it could almost be like a detriment to the Cowboys if so. If Cooper Rush is at a hundred percent, is that better potentially than Dak being? You know, cause like what percentage is he going to be? That's what I wonder. I guess like what my guess is no. Mm-hmm. I would. I, I would think. Say prob- I think any percentage of Dak is better than Cooper Rush. Probably, I would probably agree. I just, I wonder how limited Dak is going to be. Is the point outside of Dak's injury or prior to Dak's injury? I guess uh, ultimately the Cowboys were killing the Rams in Week 15. Their offense came back to life, getting into the matchups in this game. Jimmy, I feel like that's like the biggest one to really care about right like the Cowboys offense against the Eagles defense oh yeah a healthy Cowboys offense is I'll put it this way the Eagles defense is way undermatched or overmatched sorry in this matchup with a healthy Cowboys offense I mean they they I don't think they can stop them there's they just have they, they, have, they have too many weapons like there are three receivers like we you know our Mari Cooper we already know kind of kills the Eagles and is a very good receiver when he's healthy but then Michael Gallup has kind of developed into a very good receiver. And then Randall Cobb, who they signed this offseason, he's like averaging 15 yards a catch from the slot, which mm-hmm. is pretty impressive. Like all three of those guys would be, in, well, I mean, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup would lead the Eagles in receiving. And then 
Uh, Randall Cobb would be second on the team. <laughs> he played for the Eagles in receiving. But so, first I mean, for receivers. The way that they're able to throw the ball on the field, which was sort of like thought of as, um, you know, one of uh, Dak Prescott's, uh, you know, liabilities has not been this year. I mean, they, they've, they've taken plenty of shots down the field this year and, and connected on a lot of them. And, um, you know, they've become something of a, of a vertical offense. And you combine that with Ezekiel Elliott and the way that he runs, he's just kind of like a power runner. And uh, always, is, especially against the Eagles, it seems, he rarely goes down on first contact. Like, the Eagles have done a really, really good job against most of the running, most of like the feature backs that they face both this year and in previous years. But for whatever reason, he Zeke Elliott just plays really well against against the Eagles. And I know like this stat annoys you. Like they've never beaten the Cowboys when Zeke has played. No, that doesn't annoy me. I brought that up. Oh, okay. Who are you thinking of? Who are you podcasting with here? I thought I thought it was you that that, that annoyed. Maybe I'm no. thinking of somebody else. No. Uh I think it's very relevant. Because yeah, yeah. it's it's how the Cowboys want to play. That's not like a that's not like correlation versus causation thing. Like that is very that's like extremely relevant because the Cowboys want to run the ball. That's how they. That's their offensive identity. Like it's run the ball, make life easier on uh, Dak Prescott in terms of not having to carry the team with his arm. As you put in your column, uh, you've pointed out multiple columns on Philly Voice. Uh, Dak, uh, Jason Garrett kind of takes away his any, anything he has to do. Kind it of makes, makes his it job simple. a lot easier when 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 they're running the ball well. So he has fewer tougher decisions to make. It's huge, and it, it allows their their defense to stay off the field because they just control the clock. They basically do what the Eagles want to do at this point, and you know play ball control and keep away from the other team. So yeah, that's that's huge. Like if if this, and then looking at how the Eagles performed against Adrian Peterson, like not not very inspiring. Like AP. What do you average, like 4.5 yards per carry against this defense? I think they were okay against him. He had that one play where they actually kind of um, – Vinny, Vinny actually made a nice play on that where he got he, – he was able to push – I don't I don't remember if it was their left tackle or who it was, but he was able to get uh, – you know, he was able to kind of collapse – you know, he was able to kind of blow the uh, offensive lineman back into the backfield, and it stopped AP in his tracks, but then AP turned and just ran out the uh, – out the back door, and there was no Brandon Graham there, kind of, uh, you know, setting the edge on that side still. And Bunch it was just kind of wide open. And uh, Timmy Jernigan kind of, uh, you know, messed up on that play a little bit too. Hmm. Um, but he was able to kind of go out the back door and he ran for a touchdown. But I think other than that, I think they, they mostly did a pretty good job on him. Last year, I mean, not to talk make this into an AP conversation, but they, they shut him down last year as well with the exception of, and this is no small thing, but like that ninety-yard run that he had, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then like otherwise he had like ten carries for like nine yards or something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, just you know, clearly, what 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 were what were where were you going with that? I just think some of the tackling was bad as a whole. Like oh, for the, sure, yeah. And that was kind of was highlighting like the tackling on him uh, wasn't super clean, and really just as a, a whole for the and defense. then the secondary on, on the receivers, they were missing tackles against those guys too. Yeah, so that's kind of a concern I would have going into this game. It's like, all right, you need your your tackling has to be super clean against Zeke. You can't be missing tackles against him. He's going to break tackles on his own, even if you are doing everything right and fundamentally like. It's going to be tough. Um, one note I will give as a positive for the defense here, Jimmy, is the home road splits. Do you know the home road splits off off the top of your head? For uh, run defense? Eagles defense. Just oh, defense as oh, a whole. Oh, yeah. You know what? That makes sense because they, yeah. they did a good job against the Patriots and the Seahawks. 
mm-hmm. and the Bears. The Jets. Yeah, let's hear it. So the Eagles at home are only allowing... And the Jets? <laughs> 16.9 nice uh, points per game at home. And I made sure to take the Lions uh, kickoff return touchdown out of there. Didn't, yeah, okay. Some people are throwing around 17.9. Those people aren't factoring that in there. So this is where you're getting the real numbers. Yeah. And the away defense is 29 points. So it's almost a 12-point difference. Well, I mean, the Cowboys put up a lot of points on them in Dallas. The Vikings. Uh, the Vikings put up a lot of points on them. So, yeah, that makes sense. I think there's something to that, though. That was even the case in the Super Bowl year. When they went to the Super Bowl, their home road defense splits were, like, pretty drastic. They were a lot better at home than they were on the road. So I think there's something to that in terms of the crowd noise, in terms of, um, I guess, you know, the crowd noise maybe having the effect on the pass rush and making it harder for the offense to hear. I think there's something to that. I don't think it's not. I don't think it's nothing. I don't think it's like purely coincidence. So, I guess that gives you some kind of hope for the defense, but um, not enough to totally just erase the things you brought up with Zeke and then Amari Cooper just shredding this team basically every time uh, they've played, going off for big games, and the fact that the Eagles have a banged up corner in Ronald Darby this week. He is limited on injury report. Um, he was in and out of the game in Washington, so an already banged up secondary, you know, having or another injury in the secondary, I should say, not not the most ideal thing. How many uh, hundred yard receivers do you think uh, the Eagles have allowed this year? I saw I saw you post this chart, but I didn't count. <laughs> is it ten? Ten is correct. Oh, I'm, I'm on fire. I got the Cooper Rust thing. I got this, and the 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 visual of it, just seeing like all these huge games, <laughs> one under the other. Is uh, it looks bad. <laughs> like they allowed really two looks... in the Falcons game. Yeah, yeah, Julio yeah. and uh, Calvin Ridley. Yeah, uh, they're, they're in fairness, they're low one hundreds. <laughs> low one hundreds. One hundred six to Julio and only one hundred five to Ridley. Ridley, by the way, what a scrub. He only had thirteen point one yards per catch in that game. Wow. <laughs> but like some of these yards per catch on uh, with these receivers that they, that they've given up big games to, it has been a big problem for them all year. You know, mm. McLaurin, week one, five for 125, 25 yards per catch. Uh, Julio and Ridley, we already mentioned. Marvin Jones, six for 101. Uh, Devontae Adams killed him in Green Bay, uh, 10 for 180. Would have been more if he didn't get hurt. <laughs> Stephon Diggs killed him, seven for 167, three touchdowns, 29, or excuse me, 23.9. Uh, Amari Cooper had sort of a bad game against the Eagles compared <laughs> to what he's done in the past. He had five for 106, didn't score. Uh, Devontae Parker, we all saw what he did to them, 7 for 159, that's 22.7 a catch. Darius Slayton had 30.8 yards per catch on 5 for 154. And then McLaurin again, as we mentioned, with his 130 game equaling J.J. Arthur Whiteside's season uh, yardage total. Career (laughs) Career yardage total, yes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if, uh, if Dak Prescott can't push the ball down the field, yeah, I'm going to have to go ahead and agree with you that that may be kind of a big deal given uh, what, I mean, we talk, we, we've talked all season long about how, you know, the Eagles receivers have been horrible and how they're <laughs> probably the, you know, the, the biggest drawback and the biggest thing keeping them from going where they need to go on this team. But, you know, a close second is 
these huge games that they give up to opposing receivers. Well, I mean, it's 2019, Jimmy. You don't need to build your team <laughs> around the pass. Like, why would you need wide receivers and quarterbacks? Like, you know, you got to have run-stuffing linebackers and defensive tackles. That's that's the way to win. All right. All right. Jokes aside, pretty concerning. I think the you look at what this game could potentially be, and if the Cowboys are, you know, putting up these points, um, I just I fear about the offense. Uh, and kind of flipping it there for a second. I guess the last thing I'll say on the Eagles' defense is I feel like we we talked about Fletcher Cox earlier, Brandon Graham. Like they need a takeover game. I feel like from one of the, at least one of those guys. I feel like especially from Cox. Like he just needs to be like that elite level player he's being paid to be. Like they need that out of him. I feel like in this game, Xavier Suafilo, backup guard, uh, filling in for Connor Williams who tore his ACL. Connor Williams wasn't really good either, so it's not like a huge drop off. But that's their weak link along their offensive line. So if you the left guard. And then Travis Frederick, who made the Pro Bowl, definitely should not have. Um, he's definitely in there on reputation. I think those two guys are the are the two guys that, you know, maybe they can um, get some pressure against. And that's, of course, right in the interior of the Cowboys offensive line. And that's where they need Fletcher Cox to, to kind of make some plays. And the point that I made when I kind of went through the five matchups to watch is, if the Cowboys are able to control the ball, Fletcher Cox has to play a lot of snaps. I mean, Fletcher Cox has played 94% of the snaps in each of the mm-hmm. last two games. And it hasn't really mattered much because their overall snap counts weren't high. So, like, against Washington, they have, you have four drives of 10-plus – four scoring drives of 10-plus plays. So, they held the ball they held the ball for, the, for a long time. And they did that against the Giants uh, for the most part, too, especially in the second half. Where like they were getting three and out, three and out, three and out. Giants had what twenty nine yards was it in the entire second half? Yeah. So they weren't like the defense wasn't stressed in any way. And that's not going to happen against Dallas. So if they're able to you know keep the Eagles' defense on the field for any amount of time at all, you know, Fletcher Cox is going to have to come off the field at some point, and then, and then they're left with you know these defensive tackles that you were talking about previously, and and you know Anthony Rush and Timmy Jernigan and now Bruce Hector. Uh, that's where maybe they'll they'll run into some trouble. That's concerning, uh, both against the run and again, just like they need they need this pass rush to basically take over the game. Like that's that's huge. That would be such a relief for their secondary, and especially if Dak's not able to to push the ball down the field. And <laughs> it should be you know all the more reason to to not allow these big plays and uh, and just really kind of keep this so it's not a shootout. Because I just. Flipping it back to the offense now, the Eagles offense against the Cowboys defense. I don't. This Cowboys defense is suspect in many ways. They're allowing twenty-seven point seven points in their last six games. They're twenty-second in DVOA. It is very much not a good defense, unlike it was last year uh, when the Cowboys were able to win the division. So I just I feel like though you know we're talking about what the Eagles have or really don't have at wide receiver, and it's just. It's like, how do you match that? If the Cowboys are turning this into a shootout, how do the Eagles possibly match that kind of production with not only their weaponry or la- their the, the lack of really, but also like the play style? Like, you know, your your the early sequence, I should say, in the game uh, in Washington, where the Eagles take this what like twenty five play drive. I'm exaggerating, but you get the point. Uh, I think to it get was eighteen. Down, eighteen play just to get. From the five, 16. 16 for 88, and then they, they kick the field goal. Yeah, from their own, like deep in their own territory, all the way down the field. Yeah, just to get three points. And it's like, all right, you know, uh, 
if you're an Eagles fan watching that, you're like, okay, that you know, we need a touchdown, but three, okay, we'll take it. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Washington, one play, right back 75-yard right. touchdown. It's just like that. And the Eagles can't do that. Like, that's not going to happen. It's right. just not. It's, there's, it's not. Like, Miles Sanders is great. And maybe we, we kind of under-talked about him early on. Like, he's been looking awesome. And he's probably going to have to be a huge factor in this game. And he's capable of making those big plays. But it's just not the same. As, like, you can't. Like you're not. It's not the same as relying on him as a wide receiver to make a big play. Like it's just like the matchup has to be there. It's not. You're not reliably counting on Miles Sanders to make a big play in the passing game every week as you could if Deshaun Jackson was lining right. up. Right. You know. Yeah, exactly, it's just not. Yes. It's, yeah. It's not the same kind of thing there. So and and basically again, that's that's the one guy. So if they can take him away, like <laughs> no one else is doing anything. So I just I wonder about this offense ability to kind of match or really outpace the scoring of what the Cowboys can do on offense. How do you feel about the Eagles offense versus the Cowboys defense, Jimmy? Well, we talked, you know, before about how the Eagles haven't been tackling well recently, and neither has Dallas. <laughs> Did you, like, I'm sure you saw the uh, the Bears game on, yeah. on Thursday night, and they, they couldn't tackle anyone in that game. And then even on Thanksgiving, um, they had trouble tackling in that game as well. You know what gave them some problems in, the, in both of those games? Running the quarterbacks. Running quarterbacks. And I, if, if there's a time like to break that out with Wentz, I think this is it. Wholeheartedly agree. And it's the and season's on the line. So, like, what yeah. are you saving them for? <laughs> right. I mean, you don't want to get them, you don't want to have some devastating injury, obviously, that's going to, you know, mess up his future. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, as far as this season goes, yeah, I think uh, it's kind of all hands on deck. And if he can make a play with his legs, then, you know, he should be doing that. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think I think they're gonna. I mean, obviously they're gonna run the ball um, against this team with you know Miles Sanders kind of adjusting uh, to the play style and the speed of the NFL the way that he has. Obviously, early on in the year, he was trying to bounce everything to the outside and it wasn't hitting the holes with you know the kind of timing that you need to, that, that that you need to whether he was hitting them too fast or and like not letting not letting holes develop. Or he was, um, you know, kind of hitting them too slow and dancing behind the line of scrimmage. I think he's kind of caught up, and um, he's, you know, playing the way they want him to play, and it's showing on the field. I mean, I and um, and bad job by us for for you know not mentioning him until now, and not mentioning him during the uh, the Washington recap because he was, you know, the the biggest uh, you know playmaker obviously in that game, and uh, if if he can continue forward playing the way that he did. Uh, against Washington, then, you know, they have a chance. Uh, but it's really going to take we, – we've kind of, like, busted on the Eagles all year for these slow, boring, mm. long, plodding drives. And they've had 21 scoring drives this year, which actually sounds impressive. But, like, we keep saying it's unsustainable, but now that they have 21 of them, <laughs> maybe it is a little bit sustainable when, you, when you're used to playing that way for so long. But they do have 21 scoring drives of 10-plus plays. They have four against Washington – they two against the Giants. They two against the Dolphins. So they've had eight in the last three games. And I think that's kind of the way they're going to have to play in this game. Especially, like, if Dak Prescott is looking fine. He's not hurt. And, um, you know, their, their defense is, is looking overmatched. You know, one way that you can sort of um, offset that to some degree is if you possess the ball for a long time. And, you know, not to be, like, time and possession guy. But, um, you know, if, if you can put together these longer drives and you can keep your defense off the field, and you can kind of uh, salvage Fletcher Cox and some of the guys up front, 
against uh, that Cowboys offensive line and, and you know, the, the power running style of, of Ezekiel Elliott, then this would be a good time to kind of put together some more of those long drives. Is this the biggest game of Carson Wentz's career? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, to date it is. Sure. I mean, he's playing for the division. I would agree. It's because it's, it's the playoff game. It's the closest thing he's ever gotten to an actual playoff game. Yes. Right? But I would also say, I think, so the discussion around this talking point, I think there's like an underlying message or, or things are kind of getting muddled here where this game isn't a referendum on Carson Wentz's career, though. Like, it doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback if the Eagles lose this game, especially in the context of like, you know, he's playing relatively well as, as he can, and the receivers, like J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, is dropping touchdown catches or, you know, is, is like running wrong routes that wipe out the huge plays. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the Carson Wentz can only do so much, and we've seen some of those issues this season. So I can't like, – I don't I don't think it's a one-game referendum, but I, it obviously is a huge game, and it would say a lot if he was able to kind of drag this team to victory like he's basically been able to For do to some extent. Yeah, yeah it would be, it'd be <laughs> huge. And, yeah. um and certainly worth the late season surge in terms of you know I I always like I hated the 2011 season I guess it was when they were like four and eight and then yeah. they won out because it's just like that delayed the inevitable with firing Andy and everything like yes. it was a false positive I don't think it's a false it's no I mean, it's not even I don't think it is not definitively it, definitively it is not a false positive if Carson Wentz leads this team to the playoffs like puts the team on his back down the stretch and they win the NFC East because of him that is a great thing that's what you want right like, I agree. that's why he's a franchise quarterback that's why you're paying him 128 million so uh, if he can do that and he can really deliver in this spot then that's huge for them. And uh, I think that's what you want to see more than anything if you know, you're know you watching this game. All right. Well, let's take another break, and we'll come back, and we'll make our picks. And then we'll also play Bill Mock Draft on the things that we hate about the Dallas Cowboys. Back after this. this. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 97, Eagles-Cowboys preview show, Dallas Week. Since we're talking about the Cowboys, Jimmy, you came up with this game. Let's do the draft. The things we hate about the Cowboys the most. Um, do you want to do the coin flip? Do you need me to do the coin flip? Yeah, I don't have one. I don't have one either here. Uh, yeah, actually I do. I do have a coin that I can get right here and you'll be able to listen to it. So you know that I'm not just making this up and we could just make this up. But that would be a disservice to the listeners. So flip it here, Jimmy. You can call it. Heads. All right. That was a bad toss. Uh, it is. I mean, I could be just lying to you, but it is Heads. Boom! I'll take the first pick. You're not going to uh, kick? No, I'm not Mr. Prescott wanted to. I know, I know what you want to draft, and I'm going to take it before you can. Which, by the way, at halftime, they're just like, nah, you know what? We're just going to give the Cowboys a ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what do you, so what do you want to take? You're taking the first pick? I'm taking the first pick because I know, I know you're going to take this. Oh, do you? Right away. Yeah, I know what your number one pick is going to be. Okay, let's see it then. That they get a Thanksgiving game every year. Uh, I don't know if that's my number one. No? It's, All right. No, I don't think so. I know it bothers you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it is dumb. It's it, it might be top five, but it's not my. I don't think it's my number one. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. The advantage that they get every year by playing on Thanksgiving at home when the opposing team has to travel on a short week. Every year they get that advantage. So I get picks two and three. My yes. second pick, or my first pick, but the second overall pick. I think this has to be the number one to me, and I, I'm surprised you didn't take this. It has to be the fraudulence of Cowboys fans, like just the the <laughs> fakeness of Cowboys fans who are like. Yankees, Lakers, Cowboys fans. Like yes, they're not even real right. fans. Like I, I have respect 
for the Cowboys fans who are literally from Arlington or Dallas or whatever in Texas. Like, I get it. They're from there. That's what they root for. I totally understand it. So we'll call this one the the bandwagon. The bandwagon Cowboys fan. Just the, well, okay. the just the, yeah, just the fraudulent nature of the Cowboys. The bandwagon Cowboys. Bandwagon's fan. the wrong way to put it, but you're right. The, like the, uh, the they're not good enough to have. They're, a bandwagon. They're, what's funny is their argument on the one hand is like, "Oh, we're America's team. We're great. We have, we have all these Super Bowls." And then on the other hand, they're like, "We're not bandwagon because the team's been banned for so long." Right. <laughs> like it totally contradicts each other. Yeah. Um. So with my next pick. And this, I will take the clear and unmistakable bias that cowboy the Cowboys get from officiating that is indisputable. I mean, just, you know, years ago, you had freaking Jerry Jones on uh, Dean Blandino, or, or Dean Blandino <laughs> was on the Cowboys bus. Yeah, And yeah, yeah. you look at that, the game that the Cowboys played against the Lions a couple years in the playoffs, it was just like the most egregious officiating performance. You look at the no clear recovery thing. Uh, the missed pass interference against Dallas Goddard last year. I think there is a clear and I, I don't even think this is like a homer thing. I think it is clear and undeniable that the Cowboys do get a benefit from officiating. There are always such high leverage calls that go their way. Exactly. Exactly. All right. I'm glad you didn't take this. All right. But I'm going to take Zeke's eating. Oh, God. Thing. That's a good one. It's a good value <laughs> pick. It's so I want an Eagles player to do that so badly. Like I, I want like I need Miles Sanders to do that. Like after he scores the game winning touchdown, like I, I need to see someone mock him. Yes, only if they're up by like you can only do that. By the way, if you're up by like if you're definitely win, if you're definitely gonna win, I'm gonna go with the absurd and annoying and pointless num like it's like crazy number of cow ex Cowboys players that mm. are in like. You know that that are either calling games or have like high profile yes. media jobs. To be clear, I, I, Romo and Aikman are both very good, in my opinion. I think they both do a really good job in the booth. I agree. But when you get down when you get down to like uh, Deion Sanders, Michael Irvin, Moose Johnson, I hate. <laughs> like the three of them are very annoying. And then uh, Jason Witten was brutally bad. Yeah, like an all timer, Hall of Fame worst. Like, reverse Hall of Fame, worst announcer ever. Yeah. It's got to be, like, bottom five, I'd say, right? And then, like, Orlando Skandrick now trying to get into it by being, like, <laughs> shocking. What he is, by the way. Yeah. All right. So, uh, that's my pick. I feel like I have the edge over you so far. But anyway, <laughs> uh, getting into getting into Come the... back after your, uh, your poor Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, look. Oh, dang. I had one here. What was this? Uh, oh, oh, I, I got it. This one is more of it's actually a positive about the Cowboys, unfortunately, and it's that they've been very good at drafting. I feel like, and okay. that's been pretty annoying. I mean, you look at like you know the hitting on Dak. You could throw Gallup in there. Like they've done a pretty good job, actually. I think with with like um yeah, I would say overall with just with drafting. Um, you can question the value of the Zeke pick. You know, being a running back at four, but like he's super crucial to their offense, and they win mm-hmm. a lot with him. So like right. ultimately, I think it's kind of working out. You know, not including Zeke being the person he is off the field aside. Yeah. So I think the, basically I think they've done a lot of good things in personnel, and I hate to say that, but uh. I would add that on there because I think that's one of the most annoying and hateful things you could say about them is that okay. like it doesn't feel like it used to be. Like I feel like growing up more so, the Cowboys were kind of like more like bumbling idiots, and I don't feel like it's quite like that anymore. Um, okay, is that fair to say? Sure. I think they've gotten somewhat smarter. I guess I have to do it. He's still on the board. 
you might say, and I, I know you've always said in the past, you know, Jerry Jones live till you're 120. I don't know. I guess I have to take Jerry Jones just because okay. like it's always about him. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not even about the team. It's about him. It's like it's Jerry Jones's cow. He's he's talking to the media all the time. Like it's always about him. Like it's not yeah, about you, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's not about the owner. It's not about no one's rooting for the old man. They're rooting for the players on the team. And Jerry Jones makes it all about him. I guess I respect Jerry Jones in the sense of like you know he's he's like much better than Dan Snyder, for example. And especially when it comes to. Like the even just the experience, like you know, FedEx Field is a joke. The way they treat the fans are a joke. Like Cowboys fans seem to have it good. And when you talk about like the press box and stuff, like you say, the Cowboys always do like a good job with the media and stuff. Like, oh, it's, it's so, incredible. So all of that is like together. So I don't think he's quite like this despicable figure in the sense of like you know a, a James Dolan or a Dan Snyder or whatever. But come on, but come on. That's <laughs> how so I'm going to end it. All right, uh, I'm going to go with their the fan bases. Extreme homerism. Oh, wow. I, all right. What? What's wrong I with that? The, I took the fans already. No, we can't just take the fans. <laughs> this is a specific aspect about the fans. Okay. You took their bandwagon nature. Okay. I'm taking their extreme homerism. Okay. They're, di- they're, they're different things. So you don't like it when uh, a certain Cowboys site might say that the team is better when they cut their third string center? They're better wait, off. Wait, wait, what happened now? Uh, this was like, wait, who, who was that center the Cowboys used to start who was like terrible? It was someone's son on the Cowboys or something? I forget his uh, name. Uh, you know what I'm talking uh, about, right? Was it the guy that was dating Hulk yeah. Hogan's daughter? Yeah, yes, that's exactly who Phil it was. Phil Costa? Yeah, that's who it was. That's a pull and a half right there. Great job. Uh, yeah, so I remember like the, the Cowboys cut him and I think blogging the boys was like, well, the Cowboys are a better team now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Addition by subtraction of the guy that's never going to play anyway. So anyway, you were getting into the. the but the by the way, uh, can I can I make a point? Like I I you know I used to you know interact with those guys, the blogging the boys guys, and uh, you know that was fun. But like <laughs> they're on this like tear of posting things. Oh yeah, what's about this? the Eagles this week and saying rent free. Rent free. First of all. There is not a, a, a phrase that bothers me more than rent-free. Like, just stop using rent-free. It's just so dumb. Stop it. About the rent-free anything. people are rent-free in Jimmy's head. They, they, they actually are. <laughs> they actually are. It's such a stupid phrase. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Sorry. You're going to have to edit that out, Michael. Yeah, Kiss is going to edit <laughs> I hate it. So, I hate it so much. That was really, I hate it. That was really impassioned. You were really <laughs> mad about this. <laughs> I hate it. Rent, rent free. Get out of here. So it's just so such like a. You, it's, it's like this isn't even like a problem with like barstool sports. Hmm. It's just the idea that like you know they they say that a lot and all their you know like I guess people that it's not like my problem isn't necessarily with barstool. It's the morons that like. <laughs> The guy that runs Barstool is, like, the worst person on the planet. And if he, like, sicks his readers on people, then, like, they'll go, they'll, they'll, like, swarm all over somebody and, like, try to make their life as miserable as possible. Well, this might happen to you now, Jimmy. (laughs) It's not definitely careful what you say here. (laughs) But then, like, they they all have, like, the, they all use, like, the same phrases. And rent-free is one of them. Hmm. It's just such a follower kind of phrase, in my opinion. Like, come up with your own phrase. Come up with your own material. Don't use rent-free out of here. 
What's your final pick before I get my final pick? <laughs> well, hold on. The, on the extreme homerism point, they, okay. I mean, is there a fan base that like that just believes they're going to win the Super Bowl every year more so than Dallas Cowboys fans? It's like every year. Irrationally so, too, I guess. <laughs> like the Patriots can believe that because they, they basically almost do. And the other thing that is kind of annoying about them, too, as a fan base is like they have this feeling that like everyone is obsessed with the Cowboys as a team. And certainly people like watch like they like watching them lose. But like anytime I ever write anything about the Cowboys and I write as much about, you know, Washington and the Giants and maybe the Cowboys like a little bit more because they're the only other competitive team in the division right now. But like anytime I ever write anything about the Cowboys, it's always like, you're always writing about the Cowboys. Like, I haven't written anything about the Cowboys in like two months. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> like, I get that a lot for BGN too. That's a great point. You know, so like that's a little bit annoying about that. But I never hear that about Washington fans or the Giants fans. Agree. Anyway. The Eagles are rent-free in their heads, Jimmy. <laughs> that they are. What's your final pick? My final pick, uh, I'm going to go with... I have a really good one. Yeah, I'm kind of out of uh, things here. This is going to be... Uh, am I allowed to use another fan one again? Why not? I, I already touched on this, I guess. But like the notion that they're this great franchise... Okay. Because they, I mean, they have historical significance. I guess you can put in there. Yeah, but they're like they haven't they haven't done anything in twenty five years. Yeah, twenty three, twenty four, something like that. The, the last Super Bowl was twenty three, twenty four. And to that point, I, I like these Cowboys fans are like kind of my my age. I'm twenty eight. Who are like, you know, oh six rings or whatever, and <laughs> it it's was like three. or five, what's it five or six. Yeah, and then, like, they haven't even gotten to experience it. And, like, they're like, oh, it's the same when you watch it on the tape. Like, no, it's not. Like, you cannot – haven't seen <laughs> right. the yeah, No, it's won. not. I've yeah. never heard anyone say that. That's funny that, that people I've seen say that. that. Huh. And, okay. Like, the Eagles winning a Super Bowl and experiencing it live, like, you can't replicate that. Like, the the, the actual live feeling is all of it, if, if not all of it, like, a huge part of it. So, uh, I just wanted to add that to your – Yeah, like, I, I grew up a Sixers fan. I never watched – what, like the 1983 finals? <laughs> right, yeah. I've same. seen highlights of it. Like, I've seen, you know, Dr. J rock the baby dunk over uh, Michael Cooper. I've seen, you know, like, Maurice Cheeks with the steal and dunk at the end of one of those games. Championships like, that don't I never, happen. I never rewatched that. I was six when that happened, but I never rewatched that. Yeah, championships that don't happen in your lifetime don't count, basically. <laughs> right. well, like, in that case, I was six. I didn't know yeah. what was going on. Anyway, your final pick. My final pick. I can't believe this is still on the board and really probably should have been higher, especially because of the the nature. These garbage character players that are especially always on the Cowboys. Not to say there aren't a lot of garbage character players on a lot of teams in the NFL. Not saying the Cowboys are the only ones, but come on. We all know the Cowboys a lot more than other teams have these kind of players. You can look at Zeke. You can look at all these players who are basically like getting arrested all the time. Off the field. Oh, they, gotcha. Okay. And you can even look back further. Uh, you know, you're looking at like Michael Irvin and that kind of era when they had, the guys had stuff going on off the field. So basically, like, you're just rooting for some of the worst people in the NFL if you're rooting, like, the worst human being. Some of the worst, Greg well, the, Hardy. The worst was Greg Hardy. I mean, like, they, he was already, I mean, everyone already knew what he did. Mm-hmm. And they signed him anyway. Yep. And, and that, didn't end well, that didn't end well for them. Like, he, he played, no. like, he, he wasn't good when he played for them. And he wound up. What was what happened at the end of his? He went to like UFC or something. No, yeah, he's an MMA fighter now. What happened to and, him? 
Yeah, what like what ended his career? I think they just what they cut him. Or? He just wasn't good anymore, and they got rid of him. Is that it? Um, it they didn't like resign that? him. Okay. Yeah. So basically, yeah, that's that's my last pick. Okay. Yeah. I think I beat you. We can, we can we can do a poll or whatever. We'll put we'll, I'll put it up on BGN. I can put a poll up and uh, and people we can do on Twitter or whatever. We can have people. But I like that idea. That was a good one. All right, let's get to the picks. Get to the the one pick, really the only pick, the only pick that matters this week. The Cowboys opened as two and a half point oh, road three, huh? okay. favorites, but is now up to three per DraftKings Sportsbook. Cowboys three point favorites at the Eagles. The over under in this game is forty six points. Who you got, Jimmy? Cowboys. <laughs> I wish you were going to take the Eagles because yeah, it's Cowboys. Uh, I mean, if if Dak Prescott isn't healthy, or if he is, if he can't play, obviously the pick changes. But Agree. if he's uh, and if he's significantly limited, we won't know that until um, game until the, you know until he's throwing passes. Um, but barring that, I just don't see the Eagles matching up very well against this team at all. And I think the Cowboys actually win fairly comfortably. Wow. I disagree with that. I think okay. the Eagles will keep this one close. It's at home. The stakes. It's not going to be like last game. I don't. You, you don't think it's going to be like the last game, right? You well, the one point like- that you kind of sold me on, and I hadn't thought of this when I was kind of doing my like matchup post, was uh, the home the home road splits on defense. I do. Okay. I do think there's something to that. Agree. Uh, so I, I do think it's going to be a competitive game. Uh, just the stakes. Uh, Cowboys, you know, haven't looked awesome. A lot of the Eagles Cowboys games, beside the one earlier this year, going back to you know the Carson Wentz, the beginning of the Carson Wentz era, you know they they're usually close. They go into overtime. Two of them have gone into overtime. So I do think it's going to be a very competitive game. But ultimately, I've reached a point with this Eagles Cowboys series where I can't reasonably pick the Eagles because I feel like I can't like I have to see it to believe it. That's the point I've reached with them. I I go back to what Joel Embiid said about the Celtics early last season when like basically you know the Sixers they lost in the playoffs to the Celtics four to one. They had lost to the Celtics in the regular season a couple times leading up to the playoffs, and then also last year they I think they were they went like they were zero and three against them in the first three games. Basically like. It wasn't even a rivalry, is what Joel yeah, Embiid yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, like it, right. it's too one sided. Like they're always right. kicking their butt, and that's a, that's how I kind of feel like it is with the Cowboys. The Cowboys have won their last four games against the Eagles. I know one was meaningless, but still, it, that's the reality of it. And it just feels like it's been forever since the Eagles have actually beaten the Cowboys. And that doesn't mean the Eagles can't win, but I just I feel like I've reached the point, and I feel like the team doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt in this specific matchup. So I don't know how I could possibly take the Eagles unless like you said the big caveat there is if Dak Prescott is like significantly hurt then yeah I mean that changes the whole calculus but we won't know that so we're making our pick now I think the Eagles cover on the cover I'm gonna say it's gonna be a super close game Eagles lose this in a heartbreaker by one point I'm gonna say 35 to 34. Wow high scoring game huh? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go oh, I didn't give you the score uh, I'm gonna go 31 16. Wow, as I said, comfortable win for them. So, so what do you think happens in Week Seventeen? Not that it really matters. Um, let's okay, say the Eagles so we'll win give, this we'll game. We'll give scenarios both with Eagles wins and losses. Well, I guess like it, does, it doesn't really matter what happens. If, obviously, if the Eagles lose this game, they're eliminated officially. Oh, uh, okay. So if they win, yeah. Let's say what happens let's in Week Seventeen. If they lose too. Oh, let's, okay. So we both win, have them losing. I think they, if they win, they. I think they win Week Seventeen. Okay. That's like that's like uh, nineteen eighty. United States hockey scenario there where like they beat the Russians. Yeah. But then they had to play Finland to actually win the finals. 
Oh, okay. I think, I think it was Finland. Finland, Sweden, one of those, you know, Swedish meatball. <laughs> Great. I think I think it was Finland, but they didn't get they, they they weren't done yet. They after they beat the Russians, like they had to beat like another really good team after that. Not that the Giants are that, but mm-hmm. um, I think they take care of business. If, if they're able to beat the Cowboys, I think they're taking care of business. Week seventeen. I guess it doesn't really matter at that point. Uh, obviously, what the Cowboys do, if the Eagles win their final two, they clinch. It would only be the lamest scenario would obviously be the Eagles beat the Cowboys. They lose to the Giants, but then the Cowboys also lose to Washington at home, and the Eagles backslide into an NFC East clinch. That would be, that would be. Can you just? I can't even like imagine that. Just like, oh, if they lost to the Giants and then yeah, and then they clinch the NFC East, like that would be so <laughs> pathetic. Like, how would you even possibly be like, you know, they're like handing out the T-shirts to, and the hats to everyone? Like it's like, right? Like, are they really going to be like, yeah? After they just lost to the Giants, that'd be Woo! crazy. Smoking cigars in the locker room. <laughs> Uh, yeah. and champagne do, on each other. Do you have any final thoughts, Jimmy? Well, so if the Eagles lose, what do you have in, uh, in Week 17? Uh, I think the Eagles win because it'll be unfortunate. Well, I mean, Pat Shermer is the master of the Week 17 game. That does, <laughs> I think, that does I think a lot of Eagles players go on IR immediately after that game if they lose. But I think the Giants are so bad, the Eagles can still beat them. And it would be, it would be frustrating, too, obviously. I, I think they be- lose. I think if they lose, they lose okay. that game, too. I think they should lose, to be clear, if they, they do should, lose. They, yeah, they should lose on purpose. They, they, I, they, should, 100%. they should pull a lot of they, players out of that game. They, I, I agree. They should place Carson Wentz for like the first drive so he officially gets the start and he gets to play the 16-game season um, so they don't shortchange him there. And then I should just put Sudfeld in for the rest of the game, in my opinion. They won't do and, that. but And it's going to be pretty close in terms of like all the other teams. Uh, I mean, like As far as draft positioning goes, yes. there's going to be a cluster of teams that are, you know, like, that have seven or eight wins. So I think it is going to be a, a significant difference mm-hmm. in where you're like the difference of maybe like five picks, which is, you know, significant enough to want to lose that game. Anyway, uh, final thoughts. Um, hmm. I'm sorry for cursing earlier. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. No one bold. heard it. Uh, my bad. That's about it. You, I would say I have three things. First of all, Thanks to everyone who came out to Pistola's Del Sur. The watch party was fun. Great energy there. Met a lot of cool people who read BGN. And also listened to the podcast here. Jimmy, a lot of people uh, had nice things to say about you. So that was nice as well. It's a cool spot. It's definitely a spot worth checking out. We hope to do some more stuff there in the future. Maybe even if the Eagles get a playoff game. So a road playoff game, obviously. So so that would be nice if the Eagles could kind of help us out and keep our season going here at BGN and give us more interesting things to talk about as opposed to just skipping ahead right to the off season. Um, and then the final thing would be, I guess, you know, I was looking at some of these mock drafts this week. ESPN had one, Todd McShay, and then the draft network does ones every week. And boy, oh boy, are there a lot of fast receivers that just feel like, uh, they feel like an oasis when you think about this Eagles offense. It's like, yes, <laughs> right here, this is it. This is the solution. Get, get this guy, get, um, I don't know if the Eagles are really going to be high enough to get him. But um, you're looking at Henry Ruggs from Alabama, and then uh, who I think is even better. You look at um, uh, what's Jerry the guy? Judy. Uh, Oklahoma guy. Uh, CD Lamb. Yeah, CD. Oh my, CD Lamb is amazing. He's averaging over 20 yards per catch. Like that is exactly what the Eagles need. So T. Higgins, uh, uh, Lavisca Chanel. Uh, so that's the silver lining yeah. to me. If the Eagles lose and they're, and they're out, at least you can be like, all right, well, hope. <laughs> 
ideally they can pick one of these good wide receivers and not end up with like the Donald Pumphrey <laughs> or the J.J. Ortega Whiteside of the you class. You know full well that Howie's going to go, well, there's so many receivers. We'll just get one in the second round instead. Oh, God. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, let's end this here. <laughs> this has been BGN Radio, episode number 97. I've been Brandon Lee Gowden. That has been Jimmy Kemsky. Subscribe to BGN Radio, Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. For all the podcasts, there will be more this week. We will talk to you next time after the Eagles-Cowboys game is over. Bye, everybody. B-G-N. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com.